Hey everyone, thanks for listening to You Pick, We Watch. Usually, we don't have any disclaimers, but today we will be watching Chasing Amy, which is a pretty risque movie um, and talks a lot about adult relationships. Uh, So we wanted to make sure that everybody was aware that this episode would be a little more adult. Um, And if you like that, awesome. If not, you can wait for next week's or listen to some past episodes. So thanks everyone for listening. And enjoy the show. Hey. hey, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Jess. And I'm Regan. And this is You Pick, We Watch, the podcast where you pick the movie and we take a deep dive into it, learning everything we can about your recommendation. Today, we're talking about the 1997 Kevin Smith film, Chasing Amy. And we have a special guest today. Matt B's back. Hi, Matt. Hi. Hi, everybody. So I figured it'd be a great change of pace for us to talk about a movie where Ben Affleck plays a kind of yeah. douchey dude <laughs> who falls in love with a lesbian. I, and I actually, coming from me, I don't hate him as much in this movie, actually. And I have my reasons, but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, um, though, because this is like the second movie that I've seen where he is in a very similar role, doing very similar things. So it's like it's it's not a trend, but it's weird that there's two in a row, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I was going to talk about I think that what at some point. Saves yeah. this is the writing in this, but we'll we'll get to that. Um, I have two things. Actually, one of them is Kevin Smith related. Kevin Smith related. Um, WandaVision came out yesterday. Did either of you guys watch? Is it one or two episodes? I think that are out. Maybe. Hmm. Not yet. No. Yeah, it's yeah, that's on, on my, my list. next Thursday list, <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, I am stoked. I've heard nothing but good things. Yeah, same here. My my question is, are either of you, uh, do you guys wait until the whole season's out and then just binge the whole thing? Or are you a week by weeker? really depends on the series like mandalorian i'm week for week just to yeah spoilers i am uh watch it same way but other things yeah, yeah. like yeah. mandalorian i had to watch week to week because i did not want to see anything uh oh come yeah out. like if i had seen something about the last episode of season two before i had watched it <laughs> i would have been very sad yeah what an episode too we could just do a whole episode on <laughs> that episode of Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, the next thing I have, I actually just read this as we were getting ready to go live. Um, Kevin Smith just posted that he finished his script for Clerks 3. <laughs> so, I like um, that. I could have done with X2, but... I enjoy his universe, really. (laughs) I'm still waiting for Mallrats. I think we just need to tweet uh, Kevin Smith, give him that idea. I'm sure he seems like a guy who's just down to write movies, so. Uh, He actually finished the script. It's just there's a rights thing because Universal owns it. It's weird. (laughs) I 
Um, did some research. Is that not night? one of his Mallrats? <laughs> did Miramax not pick it up or like keep it? Um, I'm not sure. I just know. I think there's something with the rights with Universal. They were thinking about doing a movie that was the main blocker, and then they were trying to do like a Netflix series or a TV Remember show the cartoon series? for Clerks? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that yeah, was that was ridiculous. Uh, good stuff. Um, so I have a pretty cool get to know you question because it kind of ties in with this movie and I think Kevin Smith's whole whole deal um are you guys in to comic books and if so are you reading anything new do you like old stuff how'd you get into them what's your story if you are Ooh. um well I've never historically been into comic books except recently um during quarantine I've been checking out a few of them online i so far my favorite's been this one this french gra- I, don't, I don't know if it's a graphic novel or what the distinction there exactly is but it's called black sad and it's like a noir story with anthropomorphic animals so it's like the main character is like a cat who's essentially like you know cat head on a human-ish body something you might see in like uh <laughs> I don't know, Dragon like Ball Z. Yeah, not exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of like Bojack Horseman. You know, everyone's an animal, but they're also human like. But it the art is amazing in that, and the stories are really cool. That's interesting. That makes me want to read Animorphs now. <laughs> <sighs> Didn't they have like 50 books or something? Heck yeah. And a TV show. Yeah, I remember the TV show. Yeah. And you could probably read a book in like yeah. Oh, those absolutely. You could read those so quick. Little plug: you could read my book in about an hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) I actually picked up a copy just to do exactly that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What about you, Matt? Are you into comic books? Uh, I sort of like I've got all the Sandman comics. I I usually get like collected graphic novels because just like we were saying with like the Mandalorian and week to week, it's tough for me to get into a comic book and wait an entire month (laughs) for the next comic book for like half an hour of reading. So like I've bought all the critical role ones once they came out. I've got all the collected um, Sandman. I've got different story arcs that I've been interested in, like um, like uh, Red Lantern, The Blackest Night, um, Marvel Civil War, a lot of the big events, but none of like to go week to week or month to month, week to week. I couldn't really have that attention span because by the time I get the next <laughs> comic, I've probably forgotten what I did. Yeah, last I hear that. Month. I actually. That- I, I had to do that with Black Sad because I didn't know this because there's five issues out right now and uh, they're all like complete standalone stories, but apparently their release schedule is like one every two years and then the last one was like released five years ago, so you, oh. you can't really binge <laughs> that one. No. Um, I do have a bunch of comic subscriptions uh, right now. I usually go to the comic book store um, every two weeks to pick them up. Um, 
that being said, I don't read them right away. And I don't follow enough on like Facebook or Twitter or anything to like get spoilers. So I've got a stack of probably about 60 to 70 um, on my dresser of ones that I haven't read of different art, different stories. So like I do um, most of the Star Wars ones. Um, I do it also I got re into them when the Buffy reboot came out because I got all of the Buffy comics um, when Joss Whedon was doing them back gosh like 2010 nine something like that um, and then those finished and then they rebooted it um, so all the Buffy's and the Angels I read um, there was an awesome mini run of Rogue and Gambit called Mr. and Mrs. X. And it's when they got married. Um, so I have, I got that series and then I got all the new X-Men because they rebooted the entire X-Men line um, with basically they like killed everybody <laughs> and then started over. So um, as you do. Yeah. Yeah. Again. Um, so it's pretty cool. And then I got the Star Wars and like Darth, the Darth Vader stories, the Bounty Hunter stories, and there's a Kylo Ren story out. And then like off ones, they just rebooted um, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And I had to get it. I was like stoked. It was so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple of those issues and they just put out like a Kickstarter for you can get the entire storyline, but it's like wow. $500 yeah. for everything. That's crazy. And like, I, my wife doesn't give me as hard a time about comic books because they're only like, you know, three bucks, three to five bucks a piece. So I, I get more heck for my Legos now. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're building an impressive collection in those. Uh, do do you have a, a a favorite comic series so far, or just one that you keep going back to? Um, my favorite out of the ones I'm reading right now is probably Excalibur, and it's one of the new X Men offshoots. Um, so they have like the main X Men series, and then they have like three offshoots with different characters. And the Excalibur series has Rogue and Gambit as a part of it. And they're my favorite, so anything with them in it, I, I always try to get. Nice. And now, Matt, is uh, do you have a particular favorite or one that you keep going back to? Yeah. <laughs> as Either. far as, like, comics or X-Men? Uh, X-Men, I'm all about Mystique, because you never know which side she's on. She's always shape-shifting. And then as far as comics, um, I love the Green Lantern universe. I really wish they would make a good Green Lantern series or not movie because I've seen how DC handled movies. So a series um, about Green Lantern. The problem is he doesn't really fit into a lot of the DC universes that have been established. Like you put him into the Arrowverse and he's just going to wreck everyone. Um, yeah. I, I, I get that. He's so, uh, I, I don't really know a whole lot about like his own universe, but I just know that that probably fits pretty well with him. He seems kind of overpowered in anyone else's universe, kind of like what you were saying, because doesn't his 
his uh, ring of power go off of essentially like imagination? Uh, yeah, willpower. Um, he can pretty much make anything he can, uh, pretty much anything he can imagine he can create, um, which is why like in later series, they were having mm-hmm. people who are more technical mm-hmm. be the well, main lantern. To me, like they need to almost power if they're gonna do like a movie or put him in a universe, they would almost need to like power him down like they did with Scarlet Witch and Captain Marvel, because both of those people are like so overpowered. They like Scarlet Witch should have been able to just snap her fingers and destroy Thanos. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> so I don't know so much. Um. But that brings us into our overview of the movie. And it's because Holden and Banky are comic book artists. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's true. One, <laughs> one's a tracer. Well, one's an artist. One's a tracer. Um, everything's going good for them until they meet Alyssa, who is also a comic book artist. Uh, Holden falls for her, but his hopes are crushed when he finds out she's a lesbian. And I want to spend a few minutes talking about the movie and like our reactions and just things about it before we get into too much of the trivia. And I'm sure more will come up later, but I know this was Regan's like first time ever watching this. And I am super excited (laughs) to to know what your thoughts were on it. And what a time it was. (laughs) Okay. Um, It was, that was interesting going into it blind. Um, I do like Kevin Smith movies, you know, big fan of uh, Jay and Silent Bob and just not really knowing what to expect. Um, first of all, uh, Ben Affleck looks really weird with a goatee. I'm just going to say that up front. I don't know if it's because I never see him like with facial hair in movies, but yeah, that was, that was just weird. Um, I noticed that it had kind of the same visual feel, um, kind of like 90s TV. Like if I was watching an episode of Seinfeld and then turned the, the channel to Chasing Amy, I feel like visually, I don't know if that's just how cameras were for the most part in the 90s, but I don't know. It gave me kind of a similar feeling to that. Um, <laughs> I felt like a lot of at least a lot in the first half hour is like really cringy as far as like just dialogue and Ben Affleck being weird. <laughs> but yeah, it's so that, that was like my initial impression going into it. Yeah. Um, I hadn't, haven't seen this movie in probably 15 years, 10 years, 10 years at the least. It could be longer than that. And when, yeah, and when I did yeah, watch this, um, probably the first time I watched it was probably 2002, 2003. Um, and there definitely were not a lot of movies that had queer characters in them, and especially queer characters that talked about their sex life and all that stuff. So for me, back then, I was like, this is amazing. This is the greatest movie I have ever watched in my life. <laughs> um, but rewatching it now, my the first half hour of that movie, like you said, like the first part 
when they're talking and she identifies multiple times as a lesbian and there are no indications that she likes men, she has dated men, nothing. So watching that back now and then seeing her reaction and her equally as passionate speech in the rain saying how wrong Holden is to like say all that stuff and then run into his arms and kiss him like it gutted me this time I was like this is so not what would happen (sighs) at all and like I've been friends with dudes like that like best friends with guys but you don't I never know how they felt I don't think they felt like that but still like I would never fall in love with a dude because I did not identify that way. So this part, like, that's what bugged me, like, so much in the the first part of this movie. So do you think that's, um, do you think that's um, unrealistic unless you meet Ben Affleck? Like, is he the one (laughs) man who can really make people question themselves? I feel like that's what the movies say. (laughs) (laughs) And it, yeah. That must be true because it's what movies have told me about him. Yeah, I mean, hey, if he walks up to you with a sweet, sweet 90s goatee, how do you say no? That's true. What about you, Matt? Um, Yeah, pretty much the same thing. Like, I haven't haven't watched it in probably 10, 15 years. Um, I loved it when it came out just because I bought all the uh, Viewers Universe movies at the time and I was a little hesitant going into seeing how it had aged and it aged better than I had thought but there is a lot of problems with like the dialogue from like you said like the women and the uh, dialogue from the uh, queer characters in this because they were written by a straight guy writing queer yeah. characters in yeah, the that, and that's 100% um, what it is um and but as the movie went on and you find out more about her past and why she was so adamant i guess to like not bring it up um her speech mm-hmm. out like during the hockey or like at the arena and like outside that is probably like the most perfect most emotional and most real uh, conversation about all that stuff. And it kind of pulled it back together for me a little bit. And then you kind of understand, well, she's not really a lesbian. She was just identifying as that to, I don't know why, but she really does like dudes. And that part, uh, like his speeches are that he wrote were incredible for this. Um. They just didn't age yeah. as well as I had hoped most of the time. Hmm. I yeah, I I think that sounds pretty accurate. Just just uh, thinking about all the dialogue and character dynamics and stuff, it does seem like that this would be a movie that would probably be pretty. I don't I guess groundbreaking when it came out and a lot's changed since that moment but again i can't say if it holds up well or not because i never saw it you know back in the 2000s or 90s do you think that 
on the whole, do either of you think that this holds up really well, like sort of well, not at all? Like, what do you guys think? Uh, it holds up okay. There's a few. There's been, there's a few scenes that like, if it had been written today, would have been completely different. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, Banky's <clears throat> whole speech with the four corners and. <laughs> Santa Claus and that would not be in there today just because the views on yeah. homosexuality have changed among people that would be that age. And then also in a different aspect, there was that one part where Alyssa's hiding the fact that she's dating Holden by just referring to her significant other as they and them. And I think watching it in 2021, it's like, that wouldn't be an issue anymore just because with like queer culture and accepting pronouns it wouldn't seem i 100 percent agree with anymore. that and what sticks to me is that i had played i'd play used to play the pronoun game back in the day like that whole scene i have done in real life with people because it was the early 2000s and it wasn't as uh, accepting back then. So like when I would meet new people and I was, I was obviously dating women and they would add, like you would get into conversations about your significant other. I would always use they and them and we and never use like their, like she and whatnot because it just wasn't accepted. So like during that scene, I was like, I've been there. And I forgot about that scene, and I, I loved that he put it in then. But you're right, it would totally have to be written different in 2021. Yeah, that, I mean, that sounds pretty on the money. Um, but I, I agree. Most of, most of it has aged appropriately for a 20-year-old movie that's basically about sex. So... Um, <laughs> There are multiple times I watch that movie where I've I've done what those characters are doing. So I like the whole conversation in the bar when Banky and Alyssa are like talking about their injuries. I mean, who hasn't had conversations like that with people? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so right. like it's it was fun to see that and just how. It's like, wow, like that, that was 20 years ago. And like, I forgot about that, how old it was when I started watching it. And I was like, man, no, that was like shit in nine years, in six years, it's going to be 30 years old, you know? Yeah. Downstairs so, by my workstation. Um, we've been talking about the characters. So let's get into the cast. Obviously, we know Ben Affleck is Holden McNeil. Right? That's his last name, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. I did not Holden find McNeil. him as insufferable in this. I think I, I he has some cringeworthy yeah. mo- move, uh, moments. That whole, like, when they get told they're going, Alyssa invited him out to the bar, and he's doing that birthday dance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And just from watching like <laughs> other Ben Affleck things, I'm pretty sure yeah. that was mostly Ben Affleck just being Ben Affleck. Like his early work 
watching like glory days mall rats stuff like that that's just how yeah. ben affleck mm-hmm. was i think he brings that time. back to in um jay and silent bob strike back <laughs> it's it's still oh, yeah blows my mind whenever i see him or matt damon in kevin smith movies like way before their names were like super recognizable yeah they're so young yeah i mean it's like to see him doing like this stuff and then to see him do like argo and gone girl and like stuff like that even batman to an extent because he's like grown up he's old batman you know it's he he has grown out of out of his mostly cringeworthy (laughs) early years and this was kind of a weird phase for him because like i'm looking at his history at this point and this is like his his second real starring role, um, Glory Days, which I mentioned and was also one of the choices for uh, movies to watch, um, was his first real like starring front and center leading man role. Um, but like up until then, he was playing kind of this yeah. like, douchey <laughs> character, like in a lot of movies. I remember one of his early things was he was, uh, in an ABC after-school special where he was a football player <laughs> who got hooked on steroids. And, and then he's like, glory days, he's like this nihilistic art student leaving college. And then Mallrats, he was just a business, guy, ran a like store in the mall and was an idiot. And then so this is like his first, like, not a total idiot, not a total... yeah jerk role and then goodwill hunting comes out and then he starts getting all these action movies and love <laughs> stories and... And it's crazy to watch somebody's career like that yeah and it's it's crazy that not long after that he reaches his career all-time high with uh, a starring role in geely <laughs> yeah it's true yeah go ahead go ahead and watch that movie <laughs> <laughs> Um, as Holden's best friend, we have Jason Lee, who plays Banky, uh, Banky Edwards, uh, the other half. He's an inker, um, and he's very passionate about being, uh, an inker and not a tracer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he is the most real character in this, uh, movie. I think he's almost a caricature of what comic book fans and people like that were back in the day. Very intense, very insecure, a little racist, a little homophobic. Um, not, and not everybody was like that. And not, not a lot are like that now, but like a very high percentage back in the day was, I think. Yeah. And this wasn't, this again was one of his early movies. Like before Mallrats, he was pretty much a skateboarder, like a professional skateboarder. That's what he was known for. He got the role in Mallrats. And then he, uh, Kevin Smith likes to bring his friends back and brought him back for this. And I think it was a really good choice because he does have that grounded, yeah, um, just absolutely. aura about him. I really like his uh, wardrobe in this movie too. 
I know that's odd, but I really I like how he yeah. dresses in this movie. And I love this is a side note. I love in how in Mallrats and in this game or this movie, he's playing NHL on Sega and he's always in New Jersey Devils, always playing the Whalers. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's all Kevin. Oh, yeah. That was no, also a delight when I was looking up uh, trivia for this movie, just seeing how many details are shared in his like broader alternate universe you know like names of characters and things that they like or that they're doing are all like for by and large pretty consistent in his universe that's just cool cool aspect i don't know if he was the first to make a universe like that but i definitely think he put it on the map because growing up watching that stuff and knowing that all those movies were connected um, and you, when you told people that, they were like, what? That's so cool. And if you were a big enough fan, you could watch and like pick out little parts of when they were talking about certain things that you saw in another movie. So I thought that was pretty awesome. <laughs> Did Kevin Smith pave the way for the MCU? I don't know. Just putting <laughs> that out there. Um, rounding out our top three main three characters, I guess, is uh, Joey Lauren Adams, plays Alyssa. Um, I always, to this day, still will confuse her with Jennifer Tilly. I thought you were going to say, like, Renee Zellweger, because they were both doing kind of the same type of roles at this point. I can see her, too. Um, But Jennifer Tilly also did a lot of lesbian roles back in the... uh, late 90s early 2000s like bound and can't think of anything else off the top of my head but bound shows up so much in my mind and if you look at them and listen to their voices i think it's the voice that does it for me they both have that weird high-pitched sound um i still i always so you know what's funny is i thought that was her for most of the movie so I, I, I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know she was in this. Um, yeah, so Jennifer Tilly, for some reason, um, for some reason, I think Jennifer's voice is fine, but um, Joey Adams's voice, I didn't, I was so annoyed by <laughs> just the sound of her voice, which is, you know, you can't really do anything about that. She just has like a high sort of pitched voice. It was fine when she was singing, but every time she was talking, I got used to it like eventually, but it uh, it just rubbed me the wrong way. I could see that. Um, There are some other people in this movie. Obviously, if you are a fan of the universe, you can see Dante or not. Yeah. Is it Dante? Yeah. Okay. Dante from Clerks, um, Ethan Slurpee, who plays a fan in this one. He plays the guy that's looking at the magic eye in Mallrats. Um, And he would go on to star with Jason Lee in uh, My Name is Earl, which was an awesome show. And Jason Lee looks so different in that show, and I love it. Uh, Matt Damon pops up in there. Obviously, Jane Silent Bob are in there. So... um, (laughs) <laughs> yep. Casey yep. Affleck. For Casey that Affleck. One scene. You know that Ben was just like, "Hey, give my brother a part for a second. 
Yeah. And it's funny because when I saw him, even though they are related, they share a last name, but I keep forgetting their brothers. So like in that one second <laughs> scene, I was just like, oh, Casey Affleck. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> um, and then, so those are like the main people. And I have one other one and it'll lead us into our trivia because she's got like three facts that go with her. Um, the singer at the club um, before Alyssa sings um, is Guinevere Turner, who I know from her really indie days. She made an indie movie in the 90s called Go Fish that was one of one of the hardest movies to try to find in the 90s for a lesbian, let me tell you. And then it was like one of the first like real full lesbian movies that wasn't porn or something stupid. It was like really put indie stuff on the map for us. Um, and she ended up became becoming friends with uh, Kevin Smith and Smith was obsessed with her relationship with the director of Go, Go Fish, Rose Troche. And they wanted to, like, make this movie where wrote, like, <laughs> there's an ambulance in the background. Um, he was, like, talking to a friend, and he wanted to know, like, what happened if this girl fell in love with this identifying lesbian, fell in love with this dude. And this he, Kevin Smith wanted to have his buddy write a movie, and he didn't. And Smith was like, well... Fuck it, I'm gonna wa- I'm gonna do this, and then he ended up giving it to Guinevere Turner to proofread because he was that good of a friend with her. So he had an actual lesbian like proofread the original script, which I think speaks volumes. Yeah, definitely. So, and if you want to see more of her work, her and Rose Troche, Troche actually they did they would go on to do the L Word on Showtime, uh, which really brought queer people like to the forefront almost as much as queer as folk so mm, right on yeah it's awesome i loved it when i saw her and i was like oh my gosh that's i forgot about that and i didn't know her as well back then so see really i cool. love these moments because i had no idea who she was and you just took us down this wonderful rabbit hole that i didn't know existed yeah it's so cool. I love it. Uh, you guys go ahead. We going into trivia? All yep. right. Matt, take her away. Okay, so one that I heard from, like, I was doing some research, and this film was edited in just nine days. They had ten days uh, booked at the editing room, um, and Kevin Smith was like, let's try to do it in nine uh, Scott Mosier, who's in the first uh, first scene of the movie, he's the one who uh, calls uh, Banksy a tracer. Uh, he's the editor on the film with Kevin. Uh, he took a four-hour course on how to run the editing software that they were using. And then Kevin Smith was like sitting behind him watching edit and was like, well, change this. Why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? And finally, Scott just showed Kevin how to use the editing <laughs> software in 30 minutes. <laughs> And they edited the movie in nine days. 
and it kind of shows with some of the like transitions and are a little rough um but it's kind of neat that like this was at the time when like video editing on computers was kind of really taking off um, yeah i think they did really well especially that whole like um the birthday dance scene when he like dances off screen and then the next scene is him doing the same dance in the club like i think yeah. some of it turned out pretty well yeah i think there's a lot of parts about this movie that just kind of make it feel like a time capsule from a bygone era you know and i like that mm -hmm. it is a very dialogue heavy movie so not having like a lot of action scenes to edit i think helped him out there but that's awesome that they did it in nine days that's crazy this i mean what this movie was only filmed in i think four weeks 20 days i think yeah um shot in 20 days they did five four five-day weeks of rehearsal and then four five-day weeks of shooting and that was huh. it So yeah, just like under two months, and this entire that's really impressive. Finish for the entire movie. Do you know how long it took him to shoot Clerks? Because that was his like really underground first movie, right? Yeah, but I think the main thing with the length of time with that was they could only shoot that while the store was closed. Mm -hmm. So that's why I like they kept the blinds closed the entire time because they were just shooting at night after the store closed. So they only had a few hours to shoot each huh. gotcha. time. I like that. I was surprised to learn that um, apparently, according to Kevin Smith podcast, uh, this film was reportedly only two votes away from an Oscar nomination for best original screenplay. That's awesome. Yeah. You know it was two white guys that didn't vote. <laughs> old white guys that didn't vote. Always for, is. Right? <laughs> apparently, apparently, this is Kevin's uh, uh, personal favorite movie of his own and Quentin Tarantino's favorite film of 97. That's cool. Wait till we get to like the box office stuff and what actually came out in 97. It's nuts. This year was crazy. <laughs> I feel like this definitely is a movie that, or at least this uh, series is like a something that someone like Tarantino would really appreciate because he has like two alternate reality like series going on in his films. Or yeah, I get it. Yeah, he has two. He's like his movies all connect too, but in yeah. a different way. Um, one of Kevin Smith's key inspirations for this movie, he actually, which I didn't know this, he dated Joey Lauren Adams for like two years. Like, mm -hmm. that's nuts. And he wrote Holden. He says, the character of Holden is the closest to me I've ever written. And casting Ben was aesthetically wishful thinking, perhaps. <laughs> and Alyssa is actually my voice of reason that I'd never listened to. I knew what I was doing and feeling was immature, but you just can't fight City Hall sometimes. Um, Smith wrote that about how Chasing Amy is somewhat bio biographical for him. Wow. Like, I didn't know they dated. I couldn't see them 
dating. Yeah, that's always how those things go. You know, the at least in in my mind, it's like the unlikeliest people seem to just find each other. It's true. Speaking of uh, relationships, when Alyssa is singing to the woman in the crowd and then ends up kissing her, that uh, the girl she kisses apparently is Jason Lee's wife at the time, Carmen Lee. And uh, when they were sharing stories and Alyssa is heavily kissing her, he, he was watching his current wife make out with Kevin Smith's girlfriend at the time, which is a weird mesh of relationships yeah <laughs> yeah well he oh, filmed kevin it. smith filmed it yes <laughs> that's uh man what do you do when you go back and you watch that like what do you think goes through their minds <laughs> more tongue i mean i don't know yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've wondered that about like these actors especially like ones that have really long careers because like even when you like say you were to look at pictures from like 20 years ago you know what you were doing in that moment for the most part or what your life was like and these people have like their lives Mm -hmm. almost recorded yes they're characters but they can watch them and be like i know what was going on in my life at that time and it could be good or bad and it's just like there (laughs) now that is the anniversary commentary i want (laughs) uh so joey lauren speaking of the song that uh joey lauren m sings she actually wrote that song um originally it was supposed to be more country uh but kevin smith wanted it to like pump it up to more of a sultry alt rock (laughs) popish song i never would have guessed that that was a country song or that it was written by her for that matter Yeah, that club that they're in just like kind of speaks to that time period, I think, in the 90s that not so much grunge, but not so much. Almost like when zines were starting to come out. You remember those or know what those are? Might have to fill me in on that one. Okay, this movie came out (laughs) when I was seven, so I'm not I'm not getting everything. True. (laughs) So back in the Back in the day before we all had information on our phone, you'd have to get these things called magazines. But before that, uh, if people didn't have money to like make fancy magazines, they'd self-publish what were called zines. So they were self-published, usually like made um, like with a photocopier, if you were lucky, stapled together and sent to your door, which you see actually see... Um, Joey Lauren and Adam's character and her friends, that's what they're doing. They're hand packing all the comics that she wrote that she probably ran off on a copier. And you would subscribe directly to the author and they would just send you to your door, whatever their magazine was for that month. And it it was a lot of like alt rock, indie rock, you know, underground clubs, uh, like the alternative scene as a whole um you know putting it to the man (laughs) type stuff i love that (laughs) it was an interesting time in life my question is uh (laughs) did all the bars around that time just look and feel like dive bars because that's what i always end up seeing in like 90s movies 
I mean, I think there's two extremes. There's that, and then there's like Night at the Roxbury yeah. type of really fancy, really rich places, but not anything that like <laughs> you would really want to. I don't know. You at. just mentioned the Roxbury. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Oh, and then there's a third because I watched Party oh. Monster last night. So there's also warehouses with people in crazy clothes doing ecstasy. Yeah, so. yeah. The party. It was a uh, the the party scene. There was some. Warehouse I can't raids. remember what they called it. What they called themselves. Yeah, club kids. Uh, club kids. There we go. Um, that's that was a whole different. There were so many niche things <laughs> in the nineties. It was great. <laughs> a little something for everyone. <laughs> Yeah. Uh. Um, so this this one actually kind of made me laugh. Um, when Kevin Smith was pitching the idea to Miramax, he also uh, mentioned that he had written parts for some of his friends, uh, Ben Affleck, Jason Lee, Joey Lauren Adams, and Miramax wanted to cast people who already had celebrity status in the 90s. And I love this lineup. This could have been such a different type of movie. Uh, they wanted John Stewart, David Schwimmer, and Drew Barrymore. Um, the film's original budget was like around three million, or I guess uh, that was depended on Miramax's support. But ultimately, Smith suggested that he make the movie with his three original actors. He'd make it on his own, and Miramax could buy it for distribution if they liked it. And that's, I guess, how he secured most of the funding from the Weinsteins to make the movie. And I'm, I'm having such a hard time imagining Jon Stewart as, like, <laughs> without, like, gray mm -hmm. hair and being younger. Because, you know, you know, he would probably be Banksy. Like, he seems like the that would be the character that they would go uh, with John Stewart for and David Schwimmer being Holden. But I could not picture that movie like yeah. being as good. No, I couldn't picture David Schwimmer talking about like, could you imagine David Schwimmer having that conversation on the swings <laughs> about sex? Well, no. it's like when I try to <laughs> no, picture it, it no. just comes off as whinier than I would want. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and people would just label that as like his revenge for his character and friends, yeah. like losing <gasps> oh, his oh, wife to that. another woman. So I think that would be most of yeah. the uh, jokes about it, it at the time. And wasn't Drew Barrymore like cracked out of her mind in the 90s, like the late 90s, like that, when she was married to Tom Green and showing David Letterman her boobies? You know, I think you have your answer right there. <laughs> i forgot all about that i also forgot how long her career is too because yeah well because she started with et yeah. as a also child, like... john stewart in gray hair like he's had gray hair for like as long as i've been young like i don't think i've with the exception of him in the faculty i've only ever seen him with gray hair yeah it's like Steve oh, Martin. yeah yeah Crazy. Um, one that I thought was really cool is that um, Kevin Smith, obviously, and Joey Lauren Adams were dating, but he was most surprised by her performance. 
and he said, I mean, God, I know the girl personally very, very well. And in two years we've been dating, I've never, ever heard her be emotionally vocal. The girl doesn't yell. If we fight, she doesn't yell. So when I watch the scene outside the hockey rink and she's launching into her tirade, that's such a performance because that's not her. I think both that scene and the scene in the rain where she's just like yelling so much, like her voice cracks and there's so much emotion in there. I think it was done perfectly. Yeah. Uh, There are definitely like a a handful of moments in this movie where just someone's monologue just really hit the head on the nail. At least uh, for me, like um, for my money, I I really liked um, Kevin Smith's or (laughs) Silent Bob's monologue towards the end of the movie. Um, when they're in the diner or whatever it was. I thought that was really well written. Side note. <laughs> he always gives himself yeah, the he best does. speech. Uh, but side note, Jason Muse was <laughs> high on cocaine when uh, that scene was being shot. Yeah. yeah. Not surprising. No. I knew he was on drugs like in the... Uh, at least at that era, I just didn't know what they were. But apparently, when they recorded the commentary in '97, uh, he'd fall like in and out of sleep like a narcoleptic due to just being so strung out on ho- on cocaine. I'm pretty sure he was he did uh, meth too, but it may just be cocaine because he doesn't have real teeth. Like you can tell in his face now that his teeth aren't real. Hmm. Uh, speaking of the DVD commentary, it was originally a Laserdisc commentary, um, which is why if you listen to the commentary, the first thing Kevin Smith says is F-bomb <laughs> DVD. <laughs> but then when they put it on DVD, they use that same commentary. That's hilarious. And now I want a Laserdisc player, and I want that on Laserdisc. <laughs> um, actually, that it was one of the... F- it was in the first 100 movies that they put in the Criterion Collection. I think it's number 72 or something like that. Um, and when I was watching the DVD, because I, I didn't know I had that copy of that version of it, and I was watching like the bloopers. There's a little like blurb in the beginning where he films at at Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash, and they have the person from Criterion there and it's the first time somebody from Criterion recorded any intro for any of their like extra features on their DVDs. Wow. Hmm. Kind of cool. <laughs> so yeah. That's really cool. Pretty nifty. Um something something I noticed about the uh cover art for this movie. Um Ben Affleck is he's clean shaven and despite having like uh, mustache and goatee for the entire movie. It's like on the cover, at least that I saw, he was clean shaven and he's wearing like a leather jacket and looks so similar to his future character in Geely that it's a little scary. <laughs> that is, I haven't, I didn't look at my cover that uh, close. I'll have to take a look at it after. Um, Going back to Joey Lauren Adams' performances, she was actually nominated for 
a Golden Globe uh, that year in the category of Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture, Comedy, or Musical. And she ended up losing to Helen Hunt in As Good As It Gets. But some other notables in that category were Pam Greer, Jackie Brown, who she is Jackie Brown and is an amazing actress. Um, Jennifer Lopez, who was nominated for Selena, which was her first starring role, I believe. And then Julia Roberts from My Best Friend's Wedding, which is my guilty pleasure (laughs) rom-com. So, I mean, I've seen all those movies except As Good As It Gets. But that's a, those are some amazing people to be categorized with for an indie yeah, film. Yeah, you're going up against some real heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Um, there's, a, there's a small detail that I didn't even notice while I was watching the movie. Uh, during the scene where Holden and Alyssa are playing darts, in the background, there's you know people moving around, but uh, apparently men are going in and out of the women's bathroom, and women are going in and out of the men's bathroom. And I just thought that was such like a nice little funny detail that completely went over my head. Yeah, I also noticed in that scene, not really trivia, but there's a steel reserve sign, which is like malt <laughs> liquor that's really cheap. And I've never seen it served in a bar before, so that was throwing me yeah, off. You were absolutely right. I don't think I've That's ever seen funny. an advertisement or anything. I've only seen like broken, like labels on broken bottles, like in the gutter. <laughs> That's hilarious. I thought that scene was really real, though, too, because like they're playing. I don't know if you've ever been in a bar or anything where there's like darts or pool and near a bathroom. And it is hard to play, but like they yeah. they choreograph that so well that it's natural. And yeah. I thought that was really cool. Um, how many? That's all I got for like the good one, the really big ones that I I liked. So, you guys want to do a couple more? I only have my box office. And uh, okay. Left. Well, I I got one more that I was actually pretty proud of myself for finding because it's bizarre almost. Um, in Japan, the <laughs> screenplay of Chasing Amy was adapted into a novel by Kenichi Iguchi and was published by Aoyama Publishing, and uh, it was a unique concept book of like roughly half novel and half manga which I never would have guessed. It's interesting. <laughs> I would almost like to track that down and Absolutely. So one of my favorite trivias is talking about the whole uh, Kevin Smith universe, the universe and how it's got like all the connections. So Alyssa says her sister's name is Trista. Trista is a character in Mallrats who has sex with Ben Affleck's character, Shannon. And then Alyssa also says that Shannon was the person who filmed them having sex in college and broadcast her sex tape <laughs> to the entire college. I love that. I think the other, yeah, we didn't really talk about how like all of them are connected really. <laughs> yeah. um, 
Uh, yeah, go uh, go for it. Let it uh, tell the world how they're all connected, or what we find out in this movie and how they're connected. So, Alyssa left prom to hook up with Gwen Turner, which is Joey Lauren Adams' character from Mallrats. <laughs> um, she also mentions hooking up with Brandy Spenning, who was the uh, lead actress in Mallrats. Um, there's a few like smaller characters. There's a scene out where the quick stop is actually in the background. Um, and they mention a moment from Clerks where um, a woman has sex with a guy in the bathroom of the quick stop who turns out to have had a heart attack and is dead. And then she needed counseling. <laughs> And they also mentioned the death of a woman in a pool. All the characters seem to know about this. And it was, uh, that was a big part of Clerks as well. Yeah. Is it Clerks takes place like on a Thursday night? Mallrats is on a Friday? Or is it like Clerks, Clerks is on a Friday night? Mallrats is that Saturday. And then this is two years later, I think. Yeah, it's, it's something like that. It's awesome. Like all that little stuff is so nuanced and so like just shows how much love Kevin Smith has for writing and like making all this. And I, I love that. And he just likes using <laughs> names over and over again, I yeah. think. But... <laughs> and then going on from that, uh, looking into the future films, you can kind of get more of the character's story. So in Jay and Silent Bob, uh, strike back. Banky owns Banky's uh, secret stash, which is a play on Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash, Kevin Smith's uh, comic book store. Or no, that was uh, Brody's secret stash, right? And then, but Banky is at the end. Sorry, Jason Lee plays two yeah. characters in that movie. I just <laughs> Banky is at the end, and you see that he is dating Hooper X, which we haven't really mentioned, but is an amazing character throughout this entire movie. Um, but so Banky is dating Hooper X. And then if you watch Jay and Silent Bob reboot, if only for one scene, there's the wrap up for this entire movie. So spoilers for the next like minute, if you really care about that type of thing, but Holden um, and Alyssa basically are still friends. They reconnected and they co-parent a daughter named Amy together, which I thought was a really sweet Aww. wrap up. And Alyssa kind of makes a joke about how the Chasing Amy book was written by like a cis straight white dude in the 90s <laughs> and doesn't portray lesbians very well. <laughs> and then there's just a whole bunch of jokes about... Um, Ben Affleck movies, like he mentions Gone Girl, Argo. He's giving a speech and he's talking about Batman and he can't remember <laughs> Martha Wayne's name. That's awesome. I, I have that and I'm, I'm probably going to watch it today now that we've talked God, about it. <laughs> it's so great. Um, yeah. there. If you get a chance... To like watch this, his Kevin Smith's movies. I like his early stuff the most. Um, but if you like continuations and Easter eggs, watching all his set 
of set in the viewers universe is something that I think every film person should do, should watch. I'd agree. Yeah. Um, so last but not least, we have our budget. And I think you touched on it a little bit, Regan. Um, that when Miramax gave them money, they actually only gave them $250,000, um, which is nothing. That is absolutely <laughs> nothing. <laughs> but uh, opening weekend, which was April 6, 1997, made $52,000. Off of $250,000, I mean, it's not nothing. It did end up grossing $12 million in the U.S., so it obviously made back all its money. I think it has a very big cult following. I know that it has a yeah. cult following because that's the only way I heard about it in the early 2000s was from other people like me that would give me lists of movies to try to find. That's when you would go to like Blockbuster or we had um, a place called Movie Gallery and you would go through all the old movies and you would search for these and hopefully you got to watch it. Um, But what really interested me was what came out in 1997 at that time. So right away, what starts the year, January was okay. There was a uh, Jerry Maguire, little movie called Jerry Maguire came out at the end of January. Um, Well, no, it came out in December, but it reclaimed its number one spot in its six week in release. So um, then from February to March, they re-released the Star Wars movies in theaters. So you had Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi all one month after, or all in February and March, which was, that's crazy. And then March 23rd, Liar Liar came out and was still in theaters and still number one April 6th when and still Jennifer this movie Tilly. came out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then you had Anaconda for two weeks, um, Volcano, which was the answer to Dante's Peak, which also came out that year. Um, and then The Fifth Element and then Lost World Jurassic Park. Like, that is a heavy first half of Damn. the year. Yeah, you're not kidding. Yeah. That is, I think, one of my goals, I would like to watch all the number one movies from that year, because that is a fantastic Absolutely. year. Yeah, I think, wasn't Titanic? <laughs> oh, yeah, Titanic. Never mind, I don't want to do that. And Goodwill Hunting came out that year. Yep. Uh, Starship Troopers. I know what you did last summer. G.I. Jane, which I still have to see. I actually do want to see that. Um, Face Off. Speed 2 Cruise Control. Men in Black. Uh, Yeah, just a ton. A ton of stuff. That was a good year for movies. So crazy. So... It yeah. really was. The 90s were awesome. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. <laughs> um, so that's, that's all I've got. Um, 
I say we move on to uh, what we rate this movie because I think it's going to be kind of interesting to see how we rate it in today's age. So uh, who wants Not to go me. first? Let's let our guest go first, Matt. So, yeah, I, I mentioned earlier, I was hesitant going back and re-watching it just because I, I have that thing where I watch movies that I used to love and having I'm a different person now, like my views have, complete, have changed on everything. So I was afraid I'd hate it. But no, I, I think I still enjoy it. It's still a great movie. It's got a lot of comedy bits. It's got a lot of... Um, the characters themselves like you can relate to a lot um so i'd say it's i'd still give it two thumbs up like nice. i was like i said i was hesitant thinking it wouldn't have a really i wouldn't like it as much but i mean i still enjoyed it the entire time i was uh, i was watching it other than a few scenes yeah i completely agree with you about how i'm a different person right now like than i was then I don't think about that often, but I look back on stuff and go, yeah, I, I can't believe like what I did back then. And now like how I would react to that stuff. And I do love Kevin Smith's early work. It makes me laugh. I think he writes very real characters. Yeah. I think he pulls from a lot of just his experiences in life and what he went through. I mean, Mm -hmm. the man literally went for broke when he started making movies with clerks, like he maxed out all his credit cards to be able to afford to do it. And it could have been, it could have been it. That could have been the only one we got, but no, like things went on. And I did love this movie as a young person. And I know myself more now. I know the world a little more. Um, and there are parts in the movie that don't age as well. Um, there are certain things that it's kind of ignorant to like uh, the sex between women <laughs> and yeah. um, like just that kind of those kind of conversations, but believe it or not, those conversations still exist in this world. Mm-hmm. I've been part of them recent, not super recently, but <laughs> more recent than I would like. Um, but I still, I respect Kevin Smith so much for putting a queer character in a movie during a time when there were no queer characters or characters that were like myself. And Regan knows I talk about that a lot when we end up getting characters like that and how I can relate to them. Um, And this is what this movie got me into Kevin Smith's other stuff. And I appreciate having that as I grew up now I'm going to give this movie one thumb, not because I hate it or anything like that. I just think some of the stuff misses the mark now, but it's still mm. a worthy I get movie that. Yeah. Um, for me, I had a little bit of a, I don't want to say like handicap, but again, I didn't see this when I was younger. I, I do like a lot of things about the movie and I do like Kevin Smith, but there are also a lot of moments that felt just really, really cringy to me. And it probably didn't help that I was watching like right next to my wife and like just the, that was, Oh, that super awkward talk, like conversation on the swings about like how (laughs) lesbians have sex or so that was just, 
that was rough you know like the the sweat going down the back of my neck of like is my wife actually judging me right now for watching this and she t- <laughs> it's funny because her take in the very beginning which is what she really paid attention to was like she's like i like how bad this is she's like i like how bad all the all the performances are so far and i was like ah, it's it's special for sure <laughs> um i think by the time it hits like the midpoint or like towards the end is when it kind of is hitting its stride and kind of like bringing everything back together um i did really like the ending actually as it turns out that being said though i just feel like as far as movies go this one wasn't really for me didn't hate it i wouldn't say i dislike it but there was a lot of a lot of cringe going on for a good chunk of the movie and i'd say i'd probably give this movie one thumb down just because it's it's just not really for me I totally understand that and I totally get that. And that's what I was most excited for, honestly, for you to like give a now perspective on it for somebody that, that is, I I do think that if I would have watched this, like maybe 10, Um, 15 years ago, I probably would have really, really liked it. You would have had to watch it when you were like (laughs) a high school senior, maybe. Yeah. That seems like yeah. who it was kind of like written to at the time. Yeah, and that's when I watched 2002, 2003, I was a senior. And yeah, I was a sophomore. That exact that that's says it right there. And I I love that which it's just it shows how much growing up the world has done when mm-hmm. it comes to certain things. And I know that some, yeah, yeah, and sometimes like bisexuals now, like yeah, like sometimes you can't see the change when it you're living day to day, but when you take a jump of twenty years and you you see it, you can be like, oh, yeah, stuff has changed. It just took a while. Yeah, because could you imagine a comic con being that poorly attended? Oh. Yeah, and attended by almost all men, all white men, young white men. The diversity panel, yeah, the diversity panel with four people. Yeah. Nowadays, like they strive to have not just a diversity panel, like they strive to have diversity on every panel. Right, and there'd be multiple panels on different aspects. Yeah. Um, it's it wouldn't just be diversity panel with <laughs> checking mark of woman, lesbian, black guy. I believe there was an Asian guy, and there was one guy who had like a white weird name. Like, yeah, that was it. That was the diversity panel. That first scene though is hilarious too. It's the best. <laughs> when he says, "What's a new being?" I yeah. crack up every time. <laughs> You know, it's funny because not knowing that they know each other, especially like in this in this time period that we live in right now, it seems like they're just being really shitty to that guy for no reason. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, So, yeah, that was great. That's really I'm glad that this was one of the movies that you suggested, Matt. Um, and I'm glad that people on Twitter agreed with me. <laughs> yeah, otherwise we'd be watching Jersey Girls. 
Oh my god. <laughs> Which is not as good. I rewatched yeah. that when it was winning in the Twitter poll. Yeah. And <laughs> kind of regret that, but that's two hours you'll never get back. <laughs> I don't know. Do you want us to add it to the list? Because we didn't get any emails this week. So if you want to pick a movie to add to our list before we spin the wheel. Um, uh, or you not... can pick something else because you have Paycheck on here. Yeah, I already there, there's a lot of Ben Affleck in there. What I was <laughs> thinking is there aren't a lot of musicals on your list other than Spice World. Yes. So... I was th thinking the other day, I watched uh, Sweeney Todd because I had watched Jersey Girl. They mentioned Sweeney Todd, so I watched Sweeney Todd. And so put Sweeney Todd on the list because I think that'd be a weird one for you to discuss. I am. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay with so that. I'm really glad that you chose that because that's like one of the only musicals I actually like. So I feel like I'm getting away with something. <laughs> oh no oh, oh, sorry Sweeney Todd's woods. already on there oh sorry heck yeah <laughs> heck yeah no we're putting Into the Woods on there too the, the remake or the original <laughs> doesn't matter oh I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to say uh, orig uh, remake because <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, side note on Anna Kendrick, she is actually from uh, a little town called, not little, she's from a suburb of Portland, Maine, which is where my parents are from, or my mom, my dad is from, and she's only a couple years younger than me. So if I had lived with my dad as a child, I would have known her because she was in the next town over, That's wild. and I'm pretty sure I would have known her. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, she's from Deering, I think, which is a town my cousin is from. So, which is right next to Portland, which I say to everybody because nobody famous yeah, is from Maine except Stephen King. So, did I ever tell you about my yeah. next door neighbor, Brad Pitt? Um, no. <laughs> oh, no what? <laughs> oh, that's sad. <laughs> um, all right, so I have added those two movies, and thank you for putting musicals on there because that's a genre that uh, nobody has requested reason. because I don't know, and I <laughs> no because musicals uh, are amazing, sir, <laughs> and <laughs> you're just lucky nobody's requested <laughs> Moulin Rouge because oh my god, mm. love it anyway. Um, I'm really hoping for Spice World, though, honestly, because, I mean, who doesn't want to watch that? Um, I have the movies all in the wheel today. I didn't know okay. if I had sent you an updated list. Sounds good to begin, me. So I'll spin it today if you want. Um, our movies are Whiplash, Surveillance, The Cable Guy, Spice World, The Money Pit, The Mask, Cutthroat Island, The Beast, Paycheck. Freddy vs. Jason, Idle Hands, Casper, Cockneys vs. Zombies, Labyrinth, Blair Witch 2, Sweeney Todd, and Into the Woods. And uh, with that, we're going to spin. And, I haven't uh, seen Whiplash in a minute. I'd, I'd like to watch that again. 
Oh, well, thanks well, for it's asking not me with then. Lash. <laughs> <laughs> the mask. Uh, oh, we're gonna yeah. be watching the mask. I mean, I wonder how we'll uh, vote that one. So, uh, ah. I wonder how that's. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. I think I watched it probably last year because it's my wife's. My wife actually requested this one. It's her favorite movie, and while I was in Maine last summer, she watched it again and loves it. So she'll be excited that one of hers got picked, and uh, we get to watch that. I I think it's pretty good. It's during Jim Carrey's like huge. Oh yeah. I am actually year, very so. excited to watch that again. It'll be awesome. Um. Matt, thanks for hanging out with us again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I think we should make this an every 10 episode thing if you want to do that. Oh, yeah, I'm cause... totally fine with that. All right. So that will be episode oh, wow. 40. This is episode 30, by the way, which is pretty awesome. Um, so, yeah, we'll have you on at episode 40 again. It's a fun time. And uh, next week, we're going to watch The Mask. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys, to this special episode of You Pick, We Watch. Next week, we're going to be discussing The Mask, picked for us by... Was that your wife? There we are. Remember, you can help select the next movie we watch by emailing the podcast at youpickwewatch at gmail.com. You can also send your recommendations through Facebook or Twitter at the same name not the gmail you know what to do if you like what you hear please give us a quick five-star review it really does help us out gets the uh, podcast in front of more earballs i'm regan you can find me on facebook and instagram at author regan brooks and i'm jess you can find me on twitter at radman mal and matt do you have anything to plug uh you can find me on space hey as floki it's a myspace (laughs) i love that uh, i just started last week Nice. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll catch you next week Later. on The Mask. <laughs>